Welcome to my podcast, The Cross in the Desert. I'm your host, Randy L. Noble, and I want to say once again, thank you for taking time out of your busy life to join me today on my podcast. One of the great characteristics of the God of the Bible is his claim to know the future. And not only to know about the future, but to bring it about by his mighty power and wisdom. In Isaiah chapter 46, God says of himself that he knows the end from the beginning. And what he plans to accomplish is accomplished because of his omnipotent power and wisdom in knowing the future, planning it, and carrying it out. Throughout the pages of scripture, we see references many times to the coming Messiah, his place of birth in Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5 verse 2, that he would be a wonderful miracle worker according to the prophet Isaiah and also die for our sins. This is mapped out in the Old Testament and one of the rich traditions of Bible prophecy is the Christmas season. And what I want to do is focus in on a marvelous prophecy this morning from the book of Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 2 through 7, a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And I think of a traditional song during Christmas that asks a question, what child is this who's laid to rest? And that's a question for you. Who do you say this child born in a manger really is? Well, this morning we're going to discover the attributes and the characteristics of that child born by looking at Isaiah chapter 9. In verse 2, it makes the statement that there is people that is walking in darkness, and this people have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. This light has dawned. And it goes on to say in verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with righteousness and justice from that time on and forever. Well, this is a powerfully packed prophecy, and it lays out some titles of this child born in the manger. And we're going to look at each of these titles. The first one is Jesus as our wonderful counselor. Isaiah was writing about 800 years before Christ, and this was a period of tumultuous history. The Assyrians were on the march taking people into captivity by the droves. And this prophecy here of Isaiah gave the people of God a hope they so desperately needed. A child is going to be born. And this child is going to fulfill the Davidic covenant. But he would have these titles that would give Israel hope. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. Well, this child is Christ, and this prophecy is going to reach its consummation in his second coming. Wonderful Counselor, speak something of the character of the coming king. Really, the word wonderful in this passage literally means incomprehensible. The Messiah born, the child born in Bethlehem, would cause us to be full of wonder. This word that's used here, wonderful, is much weightier than the way it's used in normal conversation today. You know, you and I talk about things that are pleasant and lovely and likable and wonderful. But the way it's used here of Jesus is mind-boggling. It's the same word used in another passage of Scripture, Judges 30, 13, verse 18. When Manoah, Samson's father, asked the Lord what his name was, and the angel of the Lord said this, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? In other words, why do you ask my name, since it's beyond your understanding? Well, Jesus demonstrated wonderfulness in various ways in his earthly ministry. It was a wonder that he was born of a virgin. That in itself is wonderful. He is wonderful in his power to heal, in his amazing teachings, in his perfect life. It was wonderful. Of course, his resurrection from the dead. And Jesus also taught many wonderful things that are counterintuitive to the human mind. For instance, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn, rejoice and be glad in persecution, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Well, that's wonderful. It's awe-inspiring. It's superior to any other kind of teaching. Now, that second part of the title that Isaiah gives to the Messiah is Counselor. In ancient Israel, a counselor was kind of uh, portrayed as a wise king. You think of the King Solomon, who gave guidance to his people, who, who wanted wisdom to rule. And Isaiah uses this very word again in a later chapter, chapter 28, verse 29, to describe the Lord, saying, This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. It means Jesus is going to be a wise counselor. He knew what was in the heart of every person. He did not need anyone to inform him. He is able to advise his people thoroughly because he's qualified in ways no other human counselor is. According to Paul in Colossians 2.3, in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, including the knowledge of all human nature. Jesus knows everything about you and me, and he knows the right course of action as a faithful high priest for each of us to take. His position as wonderful counselor means this, we can trust him to listen to our problems and to guide us in the right direction. Why? He has our best interests at heart because he loves us. His love is so wide and deep and wonderful that we cannot fully understand it. He is wonderful counselor, but also mighty God. 
That's another title or designation of who Jesus is. We know from other scriptures in John 1, 1 verses 1 through 3 that he is the word that was with God and is God and that he is the word made flesh. God manifested in the flesh. And it says here he is the mighty God. And we need to flush out what that means. He has the wisdom to counsel, as we've learned, and also the might, the power to carry it out. In Isaiah chapter 10, the very next chapter, it says of the mighty God, a remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, the mighty God they will return to. And that term mighty God in the Hebrew is called El Gabor, speaking of his might and his power. That is talking about something about this this baby born in a manger that he comes first as the suffering servant, the Lamb of God, but he will come again in his second coming as the glorified Christ, the mighty God carrying out the vengeance of our God, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 2. He is the mighty God, the divine warrior who conquers every one of our foes, all of our mortal enemies. Jesus came to conquer sin in his mighty power, to overcome death in his resurrection, and to to destroy the works of the devil, Hebrews chapter 2. Yeshua is called our mighty God here in Isaiah. And he will soon return in the future as victorious warrior who will avenge all wrongs. He is described in Revelation chapter 19 as clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him, El Gabor, on white horses. This is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Make no mistake, Isaiah calls him Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. We bow before Jesus as our Mighty God. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. That's an interesting term used of the Messiah. Literally, When you look at it up close, you could translate the term everlasting father as father of eternity. This coming Messiah, as I mentioned, is the creator of all things, Colossians 1. He is God manifested in human flesh. He is the father of time and eternity, the architect of the ages, but he's also This Isaiah term is used in reference to him being the father of the nation, like the father of a family. He protects and provides for his children. So the child to be born will one day become a king who will be a father to the children of Israel. He will protect and provide for them. And it's not based on his age or on his death because he had no beginning and he will have no end. And this is what the Everlasting Father is referring to in Isaiah. He's Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, in a world that's filled with war and violence, it's sometimes hard for us to comprehend as Jesus being the Prince 
of peace. But what does Isaiah mean by that term here in context? The word for peace in Hebrew is shalom. And it's often used in reference to an appearance of calm and tranquility of individuals, groups, nations. So it's speaking of a functional type of peace, a spiritual harmony that is brought about by an individual's restoration with God. So we could say that Jesus, the Messiah, brought peace once again between God and man because in our sinful state, we are enemies with God. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So because we come into a right relationship with God through Christ and because of his sacrifice, we are restored to a relationship of peace with God. It's a deep abiding peace between our hearts and our creator. It's the ultimate fulfillment of Christ's work as the Prince of Peace. So Jesus is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He restores peace between God and man. I began this segment asking the question of a favorite Christmas hymn. What child is this? What do you think of the child born in a manger? And the titles ascribed to him. Is he your wonderful counselor? Is he your mighty God and everlasting father? And is he your prince of peace? The greatest Christmas gift that you will unwrap this year is the gift of salvation through Jesus. And when do you come to him and you confess that you are a sinner in need of a salvation, that you were broken and desperate and lonely and and living in turmoil, this wonderful counselor, this Prince of Peace, can come into your heart and forgive you of all of your guilt and shame, and you will have peace in the ultimate sense, a right relationship with God through Christ. I hope that you will unwrap that gift this year and call upon Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life. I want to thank you so much for listening to this special teaching this morning. God bless you, and I hope to see you again on the next Cross in the Desert. Have a great week.